news, talk, sports. Now, back to the experts on AM 980. With Brian Uttall, welcome to this edition of The Experts. We're live to air from the London Spring Home and Garden Show at a very busy agriplex of the Western Fair District. And the show is presented by Ontario Growers Supply. Growing naturally can be easy and effective, transforming your lawn and garden into an environmentally friendly oasis. An organic space means that the soil will be alive and healthy instead of being dependent on those chemicals. Well, most research into healthy lawns and gardens refers to healthy soil. How do, how do we create that healthy food web? What does it take to keep it active? You're about to find out. Compost teas will talk about increasing the health of your soil. Much to cover in what I know you're going to enjoy in the next half hour with Tom Page from Ontario Grower Supply. Welcome back. Oh, thank you, Brian. We can see your display from the AM980 yes. display, and it's been a beehive. Well, exactly, yeah. Lots of people interested in... Uh not only organic fertilizers and the soil food web, but beneficial nematodes and a whole bunch of alternatives to chemicals and pesticides. And we're going to talk about those alternatives in this half hour, but we have Earth Day coming up in a couple of weeks. This year it lands on a Wednesday, April the 22nd, and education Mm -hmm. is the heart of Earth Day, and all you need to do is go to any one of the Earth Day websites, earthday.ca, earthday.com. But awareness about the environment is key to you and your business. Yes, yeah. since we offer those alternatives, people are <clears throat> already have a heightened awareness or an interest in Earth Day and just a healthier environment. And what we promote a lot of the time, we talk about the soil food web, and basically, as you mentioned, healthy plants need healthy soil. But a healthy planet actually needs healthy soil because all life comes from plants. So uh, in a good teaspoon of soil, there should be literally thousands, if not millions, of organisms, whether they be bacteria, fungi, nematodes, etc., well, they all play a role in not just feeding the roots of plants, but those plants have a role in feeding higher forms of life, including mammals and ultimately people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it is important to us Earth Day and recognizing the importance of soil because the actual arable land, the land that we can use for agriculture, is uh, depleting at a rapid rate, and our world population is increasing uh, opposite to that. So there's that conundrum where we're trying to grow lots of food, but and also healthy food from this uh, from less arable land. You would agree, Tom, that two positive things have happened to advance that education. One is out of necessity that the cities, including our own here in London, have imposed bylaws that have been far more strict on the use of pesticides. <laughs> and the other is what you are doing so well and continue to provide here at the Home and Garden Show, and that's awareness, a chance to get the microphone and talk to people and engage them in the importance of this. Yes, yeah. A lot of people are frustrated that they can't use the traditional weapons against uh, weeds and insects and everything else, but uh, you know, that's our job is to make them aware that they're all alternatives, and with a little education, they can uh, mm-hmm. have that healthy lawn and garden. And you've had your share of customers come to your store on Adelaide or come up to your display and say, Tom, what am I supposed to do? And whatever yes. it may be, a grub or something that now on the traditional side they can no longer use because it's infringing on laws. Yes, yep. So we educate them on some of the alternatives. So, for example, for grub control, there's the beneficial nematodes that work extremely well, and research has shown that. The problem is they have to know when to use it and uh, how to apply it. So we try to provide that education uh, along with the product. 
we sort of go au naturel, really, when you and I have a conversation, talking yes. about the, the incredible diversity of the organisms that make up the soil food web, and they range in size from the tiniest, I mean, you almost need a microscope to see them. Yes, literally, yeah. To other more significant little organisms, and the algae and the other that's more complex. So what what is happening, and how does it how is it advancing in its natural stage, first of all, and then we'll connect it to the products that you have available yes. at the store to oh, enhance okay. it? Well, what's happening in the soils, let's say even in just in a teaspoon of soil, all these little organisms, the bacteria, the fungi, the arthropods, all those little millipedes, etc., they're acting like little factory workers. And as they live and die, they're providing food for higher forms of life. And what happens is, is like for example, a millipede dies, bacteria and fungi will sequester the nutrients that are left in them and deliver them or leave them there for plant roots to find them. Mm-hmm. And this just naturally occurs all the time. So if you think of a forest on the edge of the city, the reason all the shrubs and the undergrowth grows as well as the trees is because they're naturally fertilizing themselves. So as the leaves fall and decay and the branches decay and the animals leave their waste behind, it all gets used up by the soil and it introduces new life. So it's just a not a linear relationship. It's actually a cyclical, uh, ongoing relationship. When I get a moment to relax, I find I, I put on the Nature Channel, formerly Oasis, and uh, I just get consumed by, first of all, the amazing HD photography that we get served up now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the other is, for example, when they go to a rainforest and you see what you've just spoken about here in the web and how that's working synergistically in the rainforest environment. It, yeah, exactly, and uh, without any human interaction, right? Yeah. So something that's been going on for thousands of years, and it's only been the last say 100 years that we've tried to bypass the the uh, the role of soil in uh, growing crops and now we're starting to realize that may not necessarily be the uh, be all or end all so what negatively on the natural side can impact that web whereby our lawns start to get adversely impacted it starts to brown off or what could Mm -hmm. some of those things be that you get asked about at the store Uh, issues with the lawn yeah yeah, well, naturally, uh, a lot of the turf species uh, up until now aren't really uh, native to this part of the world, so it's already a challenge to grow <clears throat> some of these things. So what people are asking is how can we uh, have a hardy lawn that will put up with traffic, children, and pets, etc., but uh, we'll also put up with drought conditions. So there's different grass seed varieties. But yeah, what people are running into is... Uh, diseases, so something that looks like rust literally, or uh, an orange, or a mildew, or uh, And what could be spotting. the culprit of that? What, what's causing that? Uh, fungal spores are over, uh, that are going through the air, but often overwatering and just poor soil conditions, period. So, on a good healthy soil, it'll remediate any of those fungal spores that land, but if the soil is dead below it, it, it can't heal itself, so it's waiting on human interaction. And Do you find yourself at the store when people come in with lawn issues that often you have to remind them that you can overwater? Yes. Oh, yes, yeah, because that's it. Or just watering really shallow in a shallow form, and it's not getting down to the root zone, so it's just allowing a place for disease to breed and spread. And right. Yeah, we get a lot of that. And uh, also the misuse and handling of fertilizer. So, for example, people buy a bag of fertilizer, and it's recommended to use X amount of kilograms per square foot. And the human nature is, well, double that amount. So if it calls for two kilograms, well, I'll put four down because I'm in a hurry and I don't have patience and I really need to fix my lawn up. And it's just similar to human health. If we ate uh, 
two whole pizzas, we wouldn't be feeling too good. <laughs> it's the same kind of idea, right? There's a good steady diet for any type of plant is better than uh, binge eating, isn't it? For sure. Good analogy. We're going to talk yeah. about GMO organic seeds in a little bit. We're going to talk about indoor composting, which uh, brightens and lightens up people's faces when they hear about composting because that has been such a buzz term for a while oh, for sure, yeah. and uh, continues to be enhanced. Um, we're going to talk about the lawn guardian as well. Let's, let's take it into the garden for a moment. And DE, is it still as desired at your store as ever? Yes, diatomaceous earth. So it's basically a natural uh, mine product that has silicon dioxide in it. And it looks like a really fine powder, but it's actually very sharp and irritating to crawling insects. So whether they be millipedes or slugs and snails, ants, etc., uh, people really like it because it's safe, uh, safe to use, doesn't harm children or pets. So what physically what happens is the slug or snail or ant will crawl over a thin layer of the diatomaceous earth. They'll get cut up and they'll dehydrate and ultimately uh, die. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, the, run, uh, the runoff from this stuff is relatively benign. It doesn't harm water or pets or anything like that. Uh, there's different forms of it, horticultural grade, and there's actually a food grade that you can use on pets and add it to your pet feed, mm-hmm. actually, as well. In terms of enhancing the soil quality in a garden, am I correct in assuming that some older bushes, the spruces, uh, the evergreens, can really draw out a lot of the nutrients and therefore some, and you're looking at one, who's had some difficulty getting flowers to grow with them? Around there, right? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah, happening certain, there? Certain maple trees or even just any tall tree, is, as their root structure gets so big, it'll suck all the available moisture and nutrient away. So that's a tough one because you don't want to overwater the trees either. But uh, And, of course, the bigger the canopy gets, the less water that can get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that becomes a big issue. And uh, What would be a couple of solutions then? Using a really high-quality uh, grass that grows well in shade, anything with deep roots like a fescue or ryegrass-based product, but also using things like compost tea and organic products because they'll give the the uh, turf or, sorry, the soil a really good uh, nutritional profile. Mm-hmm for any kind of a crop or flower you're trying to grow under there. So just trying to supplement all the uh, nutrients that are being uh, literally stolen by the trees. So compost teas are a good way. Compost teas will actually feed the microbes in the soil, and those microbes will in turn... So what is it in that compost tea? I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a product that people are coming to you to inquire about. What's in that product? Well, whether it's compost from your backyard or ready-to-go compost, uh, say, from us, it basically has a profile of good bacteria and fungi and microbe feeders in it. So, for example, alfalfa and worm castings and molasses are an example of three good inputs. Just even take molasses, well, all those sugars in there actually feed bacteria and fungi and allow them to multiply really well. And so what we're doing with that stuff, and there's no nitrogen, phosphorus, or potassium in the compost. It's just all these things that encourage those minerals to come from the organisms in the soil. So what we're doing there when we're putting compost tea down is we're actually trying to increase the population of microbes in the soil by feeding them. So it sounds a little uh, off base and a long way to get there, but Mother Nature's been doing it for thousands of years. And you're just replicating that. Exactly, right? Feeding it. yeah, Feeding it and encouraging it that way. Mentioning uh, composters, you have indoor composters. Yes. Is this relatively Uh, new? Yes. Yeah, I'd say in the last 10 years or so, it's new to us. Uh, so we're all familiar with composters and the value of them, but the problem is that they can create odor, so you can't use them indoors. So 
the problem is with a lot of people uh, living in an apartments, condos, etc., they don't have that opportunity to have a composter. So, for example, uh, one uh, indoor composter that we're selling now, the Bokashi uh, system, basically has very little or no odor at all. And it's using a complex culture mix to break down your kitchen scraps. So basically it looks like a small... Like a garbage gal- can? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, two and a half, three-gallon pail that will fit under your sink. You add in your daily scraps and a little bit of the culture mix. And what this does is actually accelerates the composting uh, or the breakdown of your food and eliminates all the odor. And basically it'll turn in, it'll give you like six to eight liters of usable compost within four to six weeks, which is pretty good turnaround. So you mentioned just as next to no smell, would it still be advised that you put that in the basement? Uh, yeah, we, a lot of people use it right on, say, leave it on their balcony or right under the sink. Um, so depending on how they uh, manage it, but yeah, probably uh, the basement isn't a bad idea. From our own experience, there's been very little smell, maybe a, a slight vinegar smell. So it's not really offensive compared to other uh, odors that people associate with compost. I want to talk about the kids for a moment here because, uh, you know, engaging the young generation on a greener world is uh, important. It's important yes. to you and important at the uh, Ontario Grower Supply. You have the aquaponics garden for kids. It's yes. pretty popular. Yeah, basically it's a form of hydroponics but using uh, fish. So it actually uh, looks just like a fish tank, but instead of uh, having no lid or a lid on it, the, the top of it actually supports plants, and the roots of the plants will grow right down into the water, just like they would in hydroponics. But in this case, the fish, as they eat and uh, uh, get rid of their waste, that waste turns into food for the plants. So the Junior Ponics Garden is a really good way to uh, introduce you and your family to that concept. And, uh, of course, kids love uh, fish or anything like that. So and the fish a, meets the garden. Garden complements the fish. Fish works synergistically with yeah, the garden, work. and it's self-sustaining. Yeah, there's a whole nitrogen cycle going on inside that uh, tank. So it's cool. been quite popular the last year or so. You can find that at Ontario Growers Supply, uh, the KidSmart Junior Ponics. It's the first aquaponics garden uh, for kids. And uh, bring the kids to the store and show them what's new, what's green, what's environmentally friendly, and all that is new for the garden and uh, for your lawn and for the spring and summer season that has now finally arrived. In London, Ontario Grower Supply is at 1 Adelaide Street North. This weekend, they're here at the largest spring home and garden show in southwestern Ontario, the Agriplex of the Western Fair District. Back with more with Tom Page from Ontario Grower Supply on AM 980's Experts. News, talk, sports. Now, back to the experts on AM 980. With Brian Uttall, we're on location today at the London Spring Home and Garden Show at the Agriplex of the Western Fair District, and uh, it's been an amazing turnout for the second day of three. They're on from 11 till 5 tomorrow, where you will find the Ontario Grower Supply display very close to the AM980 display here, too. Tom Page is here. Let's we'll move a little bit further on lawns for a moment, talk about mm-hmm. the eco-lawn grass seed, the low-maintenance, drought-tolerant lawn developed in Canada. Yes, yeah, it's a marvelous product. Traditionally, people like the Kentucky bluegrass variety of grass seeds because it, it does put up with traffic. It looks nice, nice deep color. The problem with it is that it has a really shallow root mass so that if we do have drought conditions, uh, it gets affected right away. Uh, it is susceptible to disease and also to grubs because of the shallow root zone. So if grubs do show up, there isn't a lot of roots there. They can chew them and uh, be devastating to that 
particular uh, area of grass. And may result in you having to completely rebuild it. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this eco-lawn variety is actually uh, seven types of fescue. So traditionally, people stayed away from fescue because it wasn't as green or dark, and uh, they didn't put up with traffic. But they've all been modified such that uh, they look just like any other grass. I've used it as an overseed a number of times, and you wouldn't be able to tell where the traditional original lawn is versus the overseed. Uh, and, of course, it is very drought tolerant. Some of these... Uh, Fescue varieties can grow up to seven, eight inches down into the ground, which is you know, more than double of the Kentucky bluegrass. And right into that web that we talked about earlier. Yeah, exactly, right, and finding all those nutrients, but also taking advantage of uh, moisture that's down there. Uh, Eco lawn is also slow growing, so it really only has to be cut four to five times a year. So some people use it in a new plot of grass. They have that advantage to it. Some people don't cut it at all and just leave it slightly high, so it won't won't stay four inches tall, but it'd be something like six, seven inches. So it's more of a meadow-like uh, uh, look to it. We also carry other fescue-based grass seeds that are a little bit more economical than the Ecolon, and they all seem to work really well. But uh, getting away from the Kentucky bluegrass that has all the uh, issues or being prone. As, a, as beautiful as it can be when, exactly, it, when yeah. it's in its fine form. Also, people are coming to your booth or coming to your store in Adelaide to talk about the GMO organic seeds. Yes. Yeah, obviously, uh, just as part of the Earth Day thing and just being uh, health-conscious uh, consumers, people are looking for GMO-free products. So we do carry a, a line of seeds that are now 100% organic and GMO-free. And uh, within that, there's some heirloom varieties of tomatoes and stuff like that, and they've been uh, received uh, quite well. Uh, people are just, you know, of course, very concerned about the GMO thing, and we're getting misinformation from different angles right so it's uh but as people become aware they're demanding it so and uh, companies are providing that and you're providing that in terms of that education that's such an important and vital component of your business nematodes we talked about them earlier and their value but many are asking okay i'm in but when to apply them yes yeah and that's the thing right you want people to get their bang for their buck and use them at the right time so the biggest use is, is that people use them for is for grub control uh, grubs are there now. People are seeing skunks and raccoons digging up uh, parts of their lawn and looking for those grubs. But the nematodes will only work uh, once the soil gets to about 10 degrees Celsius, 50 Fahrenheit in that region, and we're not quite there yet. So to apply nematodes in the spring, we're looking at May, and uh, after that, the best time to use them is in late September. Well, nematodes will affect the eggs and larvae of up to 300 different pests, but most people use them for grub control or leather jacket control. Leather jackets are the precursor to crane flies, the giant mosquito-like uh, looking creatures that we see late in the summer. Good advice uh, in terms of the timing of the application because it's key for it to do its uh, best approach. Yes. Lawn and garden insect control, soil correctives, uh, gardening containers, grow tents, garden systems, pumps and supplies, uh, and those mighty beneficial nematodes for controlling the Japanese beetles, uh, yes. all uh, vital and available at Ontario Grower Supply. Tom? Pleasure to have you on the radio. Oh, thanks again, Brian. My pleasure. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Jeff McCall. It's time for Beachcomber Hot Tubs on AM980's Experts.